Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering. He is awesome. My God, my God, my God, we give God the hallelujah of which He is worthy. God bless you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Just so excited to be here today. Thank you for all the the, uh, birthday wishes from last week. I was down at South Campus, of course, so I missed you. But all the birthday wishes were greatly appreciated. Sister Vivian baked me a cake that was, I'm sorry guys, you need to know it was beautiful and it was enough to feed the 5,000. So the five o'clock service was the beneficiary of that cake, I'm sorry. Next time I'm sure I'll share it with you guys. But this time it was the five o'clock, so absolutely awesome. We had a great time at South Campus last time. And uh, just to say, exciting uh, bit of news is that uh, someone came into South Campus for the first time that morning and uh, loved it. Young man who had uh, uh, been looking for something and was on our website on the Saturday night and decided to come to South Campus on the Sunday morning and then met some of the young people there, came uh, to the five o'clock in, uh, last Sunday and gave his life to Jesus. How awesome is that? Yeah, amazing, amazing. Really, really cool. And uh, just a a blessing to see. I love it when people say yes to Jesus because I know it can change your life forever. Is anyone here this morning who knows that Jesus can change your life? Come on, come on. The Gospel can change your life, your whole life, all your life. What what an amazing thing Jesus is. Well, we're here today to, I believe believe I've got a word for you. I'm carrying something and it it fits right in with the flow of what has been happening over the last few weeks. God has been, God has been at work and He's been speaking. I know, I know Lawrence brought a great word last week, which I'll allude to in, in, in a moment. But anyone who's had ears to hear will know the Spirit of God has been speaking to us. And although I'm not speaking from Ruth this time, it, 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 it fits in right in there with what we've been sharing over the last few weeks. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna speak to you. This, this Scripture, my goodness me, I, I've, I, I, in some ways it'll be a little bit of a relief to preach it but because it's been going round and round in my spirit for weeks and it's from Isaiah 40 Isaiah 40 verses 28 to 31 and this is what Isaiah said he says he said do you not know have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But 
those who hope in the Lord, but those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Join with me as I pray. Father, we thank You for this opportunity that we have to spend some time around Your Word. Father, we confess we do not need more information. We don't need something that is going to necessarily challenge us intellectually. We need something that will feed our spirit. We need something that will speak to the deepest part of us. Father, we don't need just another Word, but we do need the revelation of the Word of God. And we pray that Your voice would speak far louder than my voice. And that You would you would touch our souls, move up the aisles, up and down the aisles, and up and down the rows of this house this morning. And I pray that as we gather around what You want to say, people would have a moment with You where everything would be different in Jesus' Name. And if you believe it, say, Amen. So Isaiah, he says to us, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And then he finishes the verse by saying, his understanding no one can fathom. And right there in this first verse, we have the Anomaly that there are some things that you should know and there are some things you can't know. There are some things that you should know. You should know that the Lord is the everlasting God. But then His understanding, no one can fathom. So there are some things that you can't know. There are some things that we just won't know why God does the things that He does. Because His ways are past finding out. His ways are unfathomable. But God does want you to know that He is the everlasting God. And He is not running out of power. He is not running out of strength. He is not running out of resources. God, God wants us to know some stuff this morning. Are you with me, 1115 service? God wants us, I think He also wants us to know. I think there are some things that we know, but we've forgotten that we know them. And He wants to remind us that we know them. Have you ever had someone say, remind you of something that you thought you didn't know, and then you said, oh, I knew that. I knew that. God, God wants to do that for us today. He wants to, oh, I knew that. He wants to remind you of what you know. Downstairs in the overflow, He wants to remind you of what you know this morning. See, I, I, I can easily and readily stand up here uh, and say to you, I know God sets people free. And I know God sets people free because I used to smoke, I was addicted to tobacco and, uh, and God set me free. And you need to know today that if you are addicted to tobacco, in fact, if you're addicted to anything, God has the power 
to set you free. But I know that. Some of you know that. Some of you know because God has set you free. I know I, I don't need someone to tell me. I know that God heals because I Many years ago, I had a stomach condition that God healed me of. I don't have it anymore. It has never recurred. God has healed me. God is a healer. And I know that. God wants us to know that. God wants us to know, and I know that He is a provider. Because over and over and over and over and over again, over the years, God has provided. He is a provider. There is some stuff that God wants us to know. He wants us to be confident. He wants us to be sure about. He wants us, he wants us to know that we are family. He wants us to, he, he wants us to know that. You know, we talk about family being foundational and uh, some people have superimposed on that their understanding or their idea of, of what family is. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe they've got a good image of family. Maybe they've got a broken image of family. I don't know. But, but what I know is that we, we, we are a family of believers. So we are a multinational, multicultural, multigenerational uh, gathering and we are building family together. We have many differing cultures, but together we are leaning into heaven's culture. We are building heaven's culture together. We respect one another's culture, but all our cultures bow the knee to the Bible and they bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And we are joined under the umbrella of the culture that heaven builds. We are family. But sometimes, you, you know, and, and I know, you know, because when you're the pastor, things get back to you and every now and again, people say, oh, well, I don't know. I don't, they, talk, they talk about family. They talk about family being foundational, but I don't feel like family. Well, you know, sometimes we, we might not feel as we're part of the family for, 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 for differing reasons. But I want to say that at some point, we've got to make a decision that I, I, I decide, I, even by faith, that, that I'm part of this. That means that, that sometimes I have to say, you know, I'm not waiting to feel like family. I'm deciding by faith that I am family. I don't know, but maybe, maybe one of the ways that we end up feeling like family is stop behaving like we're a guest. See, I don't, I don't know about you, but if you have, if you have guests in your home, then, 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 then guests, they, they come and, and, and if they, they, they are there to be served. A guest is, is there to be served. But family, family is expected to pitch in. You know? Family is expected to pitch in. In fact, if there's not enough chicken, family is expected to hold back a bit. Make sure the guests get the chicken. Just, uh, you just say, hold back, hold back. Just make sure, uh, we want to make sure there's enough to go around. Family holds back, you know what I mean? That's, that's what, so family, there are some expectations of family. Guests 
expect to be served. When you have a few people around, you know, guests, you might, you might or might not find them in the kitchen. But, but the thing about family is they've got to be in the kitchen. They've got to have their sleeves rolled up and they've, they've, got, to be, they've got to be helping. They've got to, they've got to be washing up. I want, to say, I want to say to someone this morning, if you're not feeling like family, maybe the best way is to stop acting like a guest and get your sleeves rolled up and get your name on a serving, get your name put down for a serving team. Maybe, maybe the feeling like family will happen when you act like family and you stop waiting for the feeling to come, but you step out by faith and just believe that when I decide to be part of this, the feelings will come. I don't know. Just turn to someone and say, he's talking to you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but there's some things that God wants us to know. God wants us to know some stuff, but that means that we've got to be people of faith. Sometimes we've got to lean in by faith to take hold of something and then we'll find that our feelings fall into line. Then Isaiah goes on to say, he says, he he gives strength to the weary and increases. In fact, that word there means greatly increases. He greatly increases the power of the weak. I don't know. You, You may have come here today and you may be feeling tired and weary. Oh, you've managed to force a smile on your face and you've managed to force yourself to be pleasant, but you feel tired. You feel weary. But the promise is that God is a God who gives strength to the weary. He, he, he greatly increases the power of the weak in this environment today. God, God has the power to deposit into your spirit, supernaturally deposit into your spirit strength, physical strength, emotional strength, spiritual strength. You see, we, we read here, Isaiah is pointing us to the fact that he gives strength to the weary. It doesn't say he gives strength to the strong. He gives strength to those who've already given out their strength. He gives strength to those who've already wearied themselves. But, but that's to let us know that at the end of my strength, at the end of your strength is God's strength. God's strength is there waiting to kick in. And then he says, listen, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. He's saying that even those who look strong need strength. Even those you didn't expect to need strength, they need strength. You know, sometimes we can look like we've got it all together. But God is, God is trying to say that even when you look there, even when you think they look fine, even when you think they look all right, we need the strength of the Lord. So he said that even the strongest amongst you, you will get to a place where you feel tired and weary and may even stumble and fall. But then in verse 31, we have this amazing word, but. Say with me, but. About seven of you said it that time. Come on, upstairs, downstairs in the overflow. But. Now what does but mean? But means that, listen, we, we take into account 
everything that's been said before. We, 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 we understand everything that's been said up to this point, but get ready because I'm about to give you a newsflash that things, when you understand this bit, it's going to change all that bit. And he says, but those who hope in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord. And this is the point where today's message dovetails with Lawrence's message of last week. If you missed it or, or you weren't here, then that is available on podcast for you to go and listen to, which I would highly recommend that you do. But, but we, we understand from, from Lawrence's message of last week, we were speaking about Elijah and he was speaking about a cloud the size of a man's hand. This, this came in a season of drought and there was a, a prophet of God, a man of God believing for rain. And, and I want to say, linking it in here, that, that those who hope in the Lord, that this speaks to me because hope carries the sound of something that you are yet to see or experience. See, that's what, that's what I got from Elijah, that, 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 that hope, you can call it faith if you want, but faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, it's the, he carried a hope that, that, that I, I, I'm not seeing it right now, I'm not experiencing it right now, but it was that hope that caused that servant to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Hope carries the sound of something you are yet to see or experience. Hope defies disappointment and says, go look again. Go look again. You know, there are, there, there, there are just some things that, you know, we, we need Elijah's in our life. Because left to ourselves, left to ourselves, we give up. Because it's all right the first time and, and the second time and, and maybe even the third time. But you know what? It's like by the time you've got to the fourth time and, Eli, and, and he said, he comes back and said, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, there's, 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 nothing, there's nothing there. Go again. So, am, am I not making myself clear? It's like there is, there is no... Maybe there's just a look in just a look in Elijah's eyes, you know, there was like okay. He's like sitting there praying. Oh, I'm the one going back and forth, back and forth in the sun. Oh yeah, don't worry about me sweating, you know, like oh yeah, that, oh my goodness, you know, like yeah, oh yeah, there's nothing there. No, go, go back, oh right, go back, okay, oh and oh. Oh, there you go. There you go. Blue sky. Nothing. Nothing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell him what I told him last time and the time before and the time before. And, it, and Elijah said, you know, so, thank God. Thank God, you know, like you, we'd have given up if it wasn't for someone saying, go back, go back. Go back, because, because we would have allowed disappointment to rob us of our opportunity. But, but, but Elijah was that catalyst and he forced him to go back and to look 
Again, hope defies disappointment. Hope believes that change is on the way. Hope motivates me to do things that doesn't make sense. Hope motivates me to to wash, to to put on my best clothes, to spray on perfume and and go and lie down on the threshing floor. It, It doesn't make sense, but that's what hope tells me to do. Hope declares that we are about to just change from managing our expectations to managing the blessing. Hope says that we are just on the cusp of change where we've had to manage our expectations. We've had to manage our expectations because we are fearful of being disappointed. We are fearful of being let down again. We are fearful of hearing about rain and seeing only blue sky. We are fearful of hearing about a downpour but only experiencing drought. We are fearful and so we hold back. But God He's bringing us to a season where we aren't managing our expectations, but we are managing our blessing. And that's easy to say. And that's what Isaiah wants us to understand, that that it's those who hope in the Lord. I've got to find a hope for rain when all I've experienced for such a long time is blue sky. I've got a hope for rain in a place where there has only been drought. I've got a hope and believe that God is taking us from doubt and drought to rain and revival. Now your problem with Christians is they the moment they hear the word revival, it's like, oh, yes, Lord, do it again, Lord. Yeah, do it again, Lord. Yeah. Because somewhere along the line, we've heard that, oh, I think revivals, is that, are we supposed to be believing for that? Yes, we're supposed to be believing that. Oh, good, hallelujah, we believe for revival. We've got, it's, revival would be lovely, lovely. Are we, wouldn't it be lovely if the Lord brought revival? No, it would not be lovely if the Lord brought revival. Wouldn't it be amazing? Yes, but it wouldn't be lovely because it'd be more hard work than you've ever imagined was possible. What if revival really came? If God really brought revival, you wouldn't know what hit you. And it would be awesome. But I want, I want to say that, that God, God does want revival. But I want to suggest to us that I, I do believe there's a place where supernaturally God moves in communities. Sure, I believe that. I've read the books. I believe that God can move supernaturally on, on people's hearts. And, and this is the point where I want to say to us that this is where we, the church, have let ourselves off the hook. Because we say, well, that's all up to you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, when revival comes, that's when God supernaturally, sovereignly moves in that community. And we'll just wait, Lord. We'll just wait. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of revival this morning. I'm talking about the kind of revival that wakes up the church. You see, when I've been revived... 
revived, it means that life comes into me again. That's what revived means. Life comes into me again. And I think God wants life to come back into me and wants life to come back into the church because when life comes back into the church, we start to impact the communities. We start to make a difference. It's it's not about revival being somewhere out there that happens beyond us. It's about God coming, reviving us, putting the spiritual smelling salts under our nose, slapping us around the face. Come on, come on. What happened? I believe God wants, God wants to revive His church. I want, when I'm talking about God reviving His church, I'm not just reviving this church, but it, uh, I, He revives His church, but we are part of His church. So God wants to revive us. He wants to do something in us. Those who hope in the Lord will renew. They will revitalize. They will revive. Now, I don't want you to get so caught up in the renew, revitalize, revive that you miss those who hope in the Lord. Because something happens in the hoping. Something happens in the soil of hope. Turn to someone and say, something happens in the hoping. Hoping is part of it. Hope is part of it. We get to the rest of what Isaiah is saying by hoping. I've got to find hope down here in order to receive what God wants me to receive up there. Something happens in the hoping. And when I find a place of hope, then I can find a place where my spirit is revived. God is wanting to deal with some stuff so that we can find ourselves revived. In Judges 15, we have the account of of Samson who fights a mighty battle in the strength of the Lord. And ends up exhausted and dying of thirst. (laughs) Just because you're fighting in the strength of the Lord doesn't mean you don't get tired. Every one of us need the strength of the Lord, even when we're operating under the anointing. But God opened a place of refreshment after a long, hard battle for Samson. I wanna, I wanna say, I believe that God has opened for us a place of refreshment. Over this last few weeks, God has opened for us a place of refreshment after a long, hard, a long, hard battle. I, it's, it's like there, but will you drink? Will you drink? Will you stoop to drink from the river that God has opened up? Because he wants to revive. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. His strength returned and he revived in a moment. 
in a moment, his strength returned and he revived. Suddenly, he, he was at the end of himself and near death, but now in a moment, he drank and he revived. God wants you to understand that no matter how long and hard the battle has been, no matter how tired you are, He can strengthen you in a moment. But will you drink? Will you drink from the place of refreshment that God has opened up? I don't know. You know, it's like some of us, we're perfectly capable of praying for God to open up a place of refreshment and, and a spring burst forth from the ground. And, and, and we, we, we say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Is this the Lord? I don't know. I don't, is it the Lord? I don't know because I know I prayed that God would open up a spring of refreshment, but is this the Lord? Do you think, I don't want to drink from anything that's not the Lord. It's like, just drink, would you, man? Just drink. I've opened up something for you. God, God has answered your prayers. Now you need to drink. In Genesis 45, verse 27, this is the, a verse where, where Jacob is, is finding out that, that Joseph is alive. And I think you've got the verse before that, haven't you? I want you, I want you to look at this. Just keep that there for a moment. This is the account of Joseph and his Technicolor dream code. And, and many of us, uh, even if you're not used to going to church, we, you know the story of Joseph, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers and all that sort of thing. But the story that Jacob, his father, got was that Joseph was dead. And that is the story that Jacob believed for years. He believed a lie for years. He believed a lie for years. This is the point the truth came knocking on the door. This is the point. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned and he did not believe them. The lie had got such a powerful grip on his mind and on his spirit that when truth came, he couldn't believe. Eventually, if you go to the next verse, we see that the evidence was so overwhelming that he had to come to a point of believing. As truth and hope seeped back into his soul, he let go of the lie. And the Bible says, where's, the, where's my verse gone? the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Truth came, overwhelmed the lie and his spirit revived. I believe the spirit of God wants us to understand this morning that we believe some lies. There are some things that we think are dead. They're not dead. They're alive. They're, they're, they're good They're good. To go, but we have believed the lie for so long, it's difficult to believe that no, really, 
Now? Surely not. Could it be? You know, because we fear disappointment. There is, it's like, don't get my hopes up. Don't, don't get my hopes up. Don't, don't tell me this is possible. Just leave me as I am. Just leave me here believing what I, I believe. I don't want to be disappointed again. I'm not sure I can cope with being disappointed again. God is not setting us up for disappointment. But there are some lies that we need to let go of. So that, so that we can hope. So that hope can enter in. Sometimes it's safer to hide behind a lie than it is to embrace the possibility of disappointment by welcoming in the truth. God wants us to welcome the truth so that our spirit can be revived. He, he, is, he is talking to us as a house and He is talking to you as an individual and He is saying, dare to hope. I am reviving your spirit. And not only that, contained in this word renew is, is the context of swiftness. This is not something that's going to take a long time. The battle may have been a long battle, but, but when revival, when your spirit is revived, it happens in a moment. Breakthrough comes in a moment. It may have taken 10 years for one moment of breakthrough. It may have taken three years for one moment of breakthrough. It may have taken three months for one moment of breakthrough, but the breakthrough comes. God is doing something swiftly. Samson was revived swiftly. Jacob was revived swiftly. God is reviving us swiftly. But will you believe it? Will you believe the day of your appointment? Will you believe that this is a place of refreshment that God has opened up? Will you stoop and drink? Will you stoop and believe again? Will you dare to go again? Believe again? Will you dare to believe dare to look in the face of a blue sky and dare to believe that rain is on the way. He said that those who hope in the Lord will renew. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings, they will soar on wings like eagles. This is what happens to people who hope in the Lord. I actually believe that I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding right now. I believe I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding. That's why we need to hope. That's why we need to take hold of hope because the soil of hope is what the seed of faith is going to grow in and we're going to see the things that we are believing for if we dare to hope. You see, eagles fly 10,000 to 15,000 feet up in the air, 65 miles an hour, but they can glide for hours without rest on the warm updrafts of air. 
You see, when I hope in God, remember those who hope in God, they will rise up on wings like eagles. They will rise up. You see, when I fly, when I'm flying at that height, when I'm soaring at that height, what looked big on the ground, what seemed overwhelming on the ground, what I stood in shadow of on the ground, I'm no longer in the shadow of because I have risen up. If I, if I see a mountain on the ground and I stand in the shadow of it and God causes me to rise up on wings like eagles, has the mountain changed? No. The mountain is exactly the same, but my perspective has changed. Those who hope in the Lord, I've got to stand in the shadow of that mountain and find a place of hope. Because when I stand in the shadow of the mountain and find a place of hope, the Bible says that I will rise up on wings like eagles and I will get a completely just different perspective, same mountain, different perspective. We need to, that's why, that's why the devil is trying to rob us of our hope because he wants to keep us in the shadow of our mountain. He wants us to keep us in the realm of impossibility because if anyone dare get hold of God and find a place of hope, they will begin to rise up and they will begin to see their problems like God sees their problems. Instead of looking up, they'll be looking down. They'll have a godly perspective on their issues and they will understand that where they felt disempowered in the shadow of their mountain, now they will have the faith and the confidence to say, what? That is the mountain in Jesus' Name. We can certainly overcome. If you want to soar and keep soaring, then you've got to catch hold of what's uplifting. You've got to catch hold of what's uplifting. Am I going to be sucked down in the vortex of cynicism and disappointment? Or am I going to catch hold of the thermals of hope? I need to make sure if I'm going to soar and keep soaring, I've got to keep myself in an uplifting environment. I've got to make sure that I keep catching the thermals that are going to keep me lifted up, not allowing myself to be drawn down. Hope is getting ready to live at another level. Hope is about getting ready to believe on another level. Hope is getting ready to operate on another level. God wants us to understand that it's time for us to realise He's trying to get us to another level. But it begins with hope. It begins with an atmosphere of hope. It begins with an uplifting 
environment. It begins with people who are determined to believe God and face the, face the possibility of disappointment because they are just going to keep preaching rain to blue skies. They're just going to keep going. I don't care. I don't care whether I go five times. I don't care whether I go seven times. I don't care whether I go ten times because God said it. I'm going to believe it. I, if I have to die believing, I will die believing. But if God said the rain's on the way, then rain is on the way. I said if God said the rain is on the way, then rain is on the way. Oh, if you believe it, give the Lord some praise. but I'm prophesying I'm still preaching but I'm prophesying I want us to think about the reality of that cloud and the rain we've talked about the servant who went back seven times and in 1 Kings 18 the Bible says this in verse 44 and sure enough my God and sure enough and sure enough the seventh time he said, oh yes, a cloud, but very small. Do not despise the day of small things. No bigger than someone's hand rising out of the sea. Quickly then, on your way, tell Ahab, saddle up and get down from the mountain before the rain stops you. Things happened fast. Say it with me. Things happened fast. Say it with me down in the overflow. Things happened fast. They grew, the sky grew black with wind-driven clouds. And then a huge cloudburst of rain with Ahab high tailing it in his chariot for Jezreel. And God strengthened Elijah mightily pulling up his robe and tying it around his waist Elijah ran in front of Ahab's chariot until they reached Jezreel newsflash some things are going to happen quickly I know you find that hard to believe because you've waited for so long but some things are going to happen quickly there is a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. It's been drought, it's been dry, it's been awful, but now there is a cloud the size of a man's hand on the horizon. And Elijah said, the rain's coming and it's so powerful. The blessing that's coming is so big and so powerful, it could stop you. It doesn't have to stop you stop you if you allow yourself to be overwhelmed so you need to get ready you need to get ready tell someone you need to get ready you need to get ready you need to be ready this is time to be ready you've got to be ready to go we've got to get ready but you've got to get ready turn to someone and say you've got to get ready you see Elijah 
Elijah was in a position that he was just waiting for the Spirit of God to come upon him. But there were some things around him that could trip him up. So he had to take his robes and he had to tuck them into his belt because he understood God's getting ready to do something that I can't have anything around me that will hinder me in what God is about to do. I don't know what is around you that could hinder you, but you need to get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Tell someone, get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. What is it? What is it that could trip you up? What is it that could hinder you? What is it that could stop you maximizing the opportunity? The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. But if you don't sort out that stuff, you could miss your opportunity because you will be tripped up by the stuff that's around you. Get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. Because God's about to do something. And if you get it out of the way, your progress will not be hindered. See, God gave Elijah the strength to get ahead of a game. There were chariots and horses, but God gave a man the strength to get ahead. We need to understand that God is, we, we are the head and not the tail. God, we're not gonna get left behind because we're gonna get ahead. As long as we get the stuff out of the way that can trip us up, then we will get ahead and we will not be left behind. Turn to someone and say, you're not gonna get left behind. You're not gonna get left behind. This is the kind of thing that happens for those who will hope in the Lord. This is the kind of thing that will happen. They will find a strength that they didn't believe was possible. They will rise up on wings like evil eagles. They will find their spirits revived in the name of Jesus. God is getting you ready. God is getting you ready, but your only hope is gonna cause the scales of disappointment to fall off your eyes. Hope, that's what you've gotta see through the eyes of hope. You've got to see through the eyes of hope. Some of us, some of us, we, we've allowed our eyes, it's, it's like we've been, we've been looking through a certain lens for some time and God is saying, you don't need that anymore. Take it off. Take it off. You don't need that anymore. I want, to, I want you to see in a different way. I want you to think in a different way. I'm getting you to hope because you're about to step into an abundance of rain. You're about to step into an abundance of blessing. And it's gonna require strength. It's gonna require energy. It's gonna require of you more than you ever imagined. When God starts pouring out His blessing, remember what happened to Ruth? God started pouring out His blessing. She had 13 stones of blessing that she was bringing along. It's going to take work. You're going to be sweating. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be blessed because God is pouring out that kind of blessing. God is wanting us to rise up in hope. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength.
come to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.